Let's pray. God, we ask that you might illumine our minds and hearts, that the words we hear read and proclaimed might be for us your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen. We are in a sermon series that's going through the book of Ruth. Today we come to the second chapter of Ruth. I'll be reading chapter 2 of Ruth, verses 1 through 14. Listen to God's word for us from the book of Ruth. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. Naomi said to her, Go, my daughter. So Ruth went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, Who is in charge of the reapers? To whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite who came back from Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came and she's been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that's being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then Ruth fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you, you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then Ruth said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel in this sour wine. So Ruth sat beside the reapers, and he heaped up for her some parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, last Sunday during virtual coffee hour, one of our members named Jennifer showed us her household setup. I'd asked parents in this Zoom coffee gathering to share with the rest of us how they were coping with the start of a new school year where so much of it is taking place remotely. And Jennifer moved her screen to show us how in their family room they had set up desks, one for each of their children. Those desks marked a school space set apart from the children's bedrooms or from where they ate or went outside to play. It seemed to me a timely and thoughtful crafting of space 
distinguishing school space from other spaces of the house where you'd sleep or eat or play. They were marking school space so they could distinguish it from home space. Many of you are working from home and you've had to set up workspaces in your kitchen or your living room or perhaps even your bedroom or maybe even your closet. And you are doing this in part for practical reasons, so you can have a good backdrop when you attend that next Zoom meeting. But you're also trying to mark off space that might be workspace, lest your whole home become workspace. For if every part of your house or apartment, the place where you were living, were workspace, where then would home be? The social geographer Anne Buttermer argues that it is an instinctual human activity, an, acti an activity of all creatures, to distinguish a home place from what she calls a horizon of reach. Horizon of reach. That's where we may freely move to meet our survival needs or make social contacts or collect food or discover the world around us. Your horizon of reach might be your workplace or your school or market or church or a park. But after going out to engage with the world creatures, we need a place marked for rest and refuge from that rough and tumble world outside, whether were birds making a nest or wolves marking a den or humans moving into a new apartment or house as I know so many of you have done or will be doing. We're just marking off a section of our house reserved for eating and playing and resting. We all need some space to call home. The book of Ruth is essentially a story of two women struggling to find a place called home. In today's text from chapter 2, we read of Ruth and Naomi's arrival in Bethlehem of Judah. The pair had known a home previously in the land of Moab, but there in Moab they had also suffered great loss. Naomi had lost her husband to death, and then after him she lost her two sons to death. And with that passing of her sons, Ruth, one of Naomi's Moabite daughters-in-law, lost her husband. And not only had Ruth and Naomi lost these men in their lives, not only were they grief-stricken, but that left them essentially homeless back in a time and place where only men could hold property. The only option Naomi could see was to return to the former home she had known in Bethlehem of Judah and hope some relative might have pity on her. She told her daughters-in-law Ruth and Orpah to return to their former households in Moab for she had no sons to give them as husbands anymore. Orpah then leaves Naomi. But Ruth clings to Naomi instead. Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Ruth essentially says, my home will be with you. And with that, both Naomi and Ruth had a glimpse of home, home in relationship with each other. 
We just welcomed Beth and Terry Hoffman into membership today along with their grandchildren who sent their video greetings. Their grandchildren joined us in welcoming these two into this family of faith. And we call it a church family. We call this community a church home. And so it is. And it's relationships, isn't it, that define that home? Relationships we have with each other and with God. Beth and Terry are now part of that network of relationships and it does provide a kind of home. We have a home in relationship. Ruth and Naomi had that in one another and yet they still needed something more to survive and thrive. We need more than just relationships. We need a roof over our heads. We need walls to keep out the storms or fires or heat that can rage outside. We need a place we can find rest and sustenance that then allows us to face those storms outside. And so Ruth and Naomi leave Moab in search of that place called home. They depart from Moab. And upon reaching Bethlehem and Judah, they face the challenge so many immigrants face today in entering a new land, especially as poor widows without money for food or lodging, without the resources of family members ready and willing immediately to take them in. Ruth and Naomi face the threats of starvation and dehydration and exposure. Their survival is at risk in this new land. The work available to poor immigrants is often low-paying and back-breaking if you can find it. And if you can't, then you're reduced to begging or the equivalent of dumpster diving. And that's what we see Ruth engaged in in today's text, essentially dumpster diving. She picks up the scraps of food left over by others out in the barley fields. Ruth, the more able-bodied of the pair, goes out to glean in the barley fields of Bethlehem. And gleaning meant spending your day behind those who were harvesting the grain. Gleaning meant bending over to pick up the scraps that were left behind and hoping to find in those enough kernels to make food. In the biblical law that we read about in Leviticus, it commanded the people of ancient Israel not to harvest all the grain from their fields. They were instructed to leave the grain that might have fallen to the ground and some that might lie on the outer edges of the field so that the poor and the immigrant might have food to gather. You might call it an ancient form of social security, and Ruth was a beneficiary of this Levitical law that provided for the poor and the immigrant. But gleaning in the fields was dangerous business. It was back-breaking in the hot sun. And as today's passage makes clear, the poor and the immigrant who gleaned was at risk of verbal and physical and even sexual abuse. Poor immigrants today know that kind of vulnerability as they work out in the fields or worse yet, are reduced to picking up the scraps left behind by those who work in the fields. This portrait of Ruth and Naomi's condition early on in chapter 2 in Bethlehem. It's one of dire poverty. It's portrayed in these bleak colors by artist Naomi Lisi Perzikovitz. But we read in today's passage that there was nevertheless a glimmer of hope for the pair. 
As fortune would have it, or as God would have it, Ruth arrived at a field belonging to Boaz, and Boaz was a man of means. And not only that, Boaz was related to Naomi's former husband, Elimelech. This meant Naomi and thus Ruth had a family connection, however distant, to this man, Boaz. And that family connection, if Boaz acknowledged it, just might be Ruth and Naomi's ticket out of poverty. As Ruth is out gleaning in a field belonging to Boaz, who should show up just then but Boaz himself? And it's like two worlds collide. One world is poverty and desperation, Ruth's world. The other is wealth and security, Boaz's world. It's like a Cinderella and a Prince Charming coming together. These two worlds aren't supposed to collide, but they do in today's story from Ruth. Here's how the Italian artist Pietro Basanti imagined that moment. Boaz sees Ruth and asks, who is that woman? A servant tells Boaz that the woman he sees is a Moabite who came from the land of Moab with Naomi. Boaz then approaches Ruth and he begins by calling her my daughter. What a powerful statement that must have been to the ears of a poor immigrant from Moab, my daughter. It spoke of things like family and belonging and home. Here's how artist Karen Krauss imagined that moment. Boaz tells Ruth, glean only from this field, and I've told my men not to bother you. If you're thirsty, drink from their water supply. Ruth is overcome with gratitude and asks Boaz why he should sow such kindness to a foreigner. Boaz replies that it is not he who has been the paragon of kindness, but rather her, Ruth. I've heard, he tells Ruth, of the kindness you showed to Naomi, a member of my family. I heard of how you accompanied her when she left Moab. It is you, Ruth, and not me who have truly acted with kindness. And may God reward you for this and give you refuge. Then when the mealtime came, Ruth was not kept away from the table where all were feasting. She was welcomed by Boaz to sit and eat all she wished. What a blessed glimpse of home that must have been for her. By chapter 2, we've now gotten two portraits of a God who offers God's people a glimpse of home. In chapter 1, we saw it as Ruth said to Naomi, I will accompany you and make a home with you. In today's passage, we see it as Boaz welcomes Ruth to the day's feast. We see a God who gives us in hard times especially a glimpse of home. The book of Ruth is often indirect when it speaks of God's activity, but it still points. The book of Ruth does unmistakably to that God we read about in Psalm 146, a God who gives food to the hungry, watches over the immigrant, upholds the orphan. We read of a God who acts in ways as subtle as a simple act of kindness from one person to another. And yet in those acts of kindness, Ruth saying to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Boaz saying to Ruth, daughter, come and sit at the table. In those acts, we see a God who is ever at work giving us a glimpse of home. Well, friends, as Christians, we see that home-giving God face to face in Jesus Christ. Christ, you recall, invited sinners and tax collectors to feast with him at the table of God's kingdom, a feast we'll remember as we celebrate communion this morning. He distributed food to the hungry by the thousands and invited them to know, even out in the wilderness, a sense of family and connection and relationships and good food, a sense of 
home. Jesus spoke of a day when people would come from east and west and north and south and would eat together at the kingdom of God. He proclaimed that even though people might leave father and mother, sister and brother, they would find family, they would find home in the discipleship community with Christ at that community's head. Christ brought home near to us. And in his death and resurrection, he sealed for us the promise of a great day still to come, a day when we will know the fullness of home and feast with all the least, the last, and the lost at one great table where all are welcome and our Savior is presiding. We get a glimpse of that future today, praise God, in communion, in our worship, but only glimpses. We're like Ruth, who enjoys a meal with workers, eating and drinking all she wants at Boaz's table, but is still longing for that day that she and all, especially the poor and immigrant, would know the full sense of welcome and family and safety and security we associate with that bold word, home. We get glimpses of home in this life, we do, but then those moments pass and we realize the home for which we long is still in its fullest expression to come. I hope and pray that you might know a glimpse of home, especially in these pandemic days. I hope you might be blessed with a deep sense of God's presence, maybe in a service of worship like this one, maybe in your prayers, maybe as you reflect on the promises of Scripture. And with that sense of God's presence, I pray you might remember and savor the home you have right now with Christ, whatever trials you may be going through today. I pray you might catch a glimpse of home in the kindness of another, a church member, a family member, a friend or neighbor who reaches out to you. And in that small act, you catch just a brief vision of the kindness at God's heart and remember the kindness of God we know in Christ. The kingdom of God Jesus spoke about, maybe that's just another way to speak of home. The kingdom of God is, after all, that realm where all, especially the poor, the immigrant, and the widow find home, home with God, home with one another, home on this earth that God gave us to care for. May you know a glimpse of that home today. And may all of us who have known a sense of home in Christ, may we pass on a glimpse of home to our neighbor in need. With the threat of eviction so many face today, with so many people having lost work, going to food, distribution centers for the first time, people need a glimpse of home today, especially you and I can be part of offering people just a glimpse of home. And in doing so, we can point to the God we worship, the God who yearns that all might know a sense of home in this hard journey of life. We can share good news of the home we can know with God. We can be advocates for more just housing policy that better extends the tangible gift of home to all, especially the homeless and most vulnerable, and that helps undo racist housing policy like redlining from our past, the legacy of which is still profoundly with us. We can be advocates for those without a place to call home or those searching desperately for it. 
And we, you and I, can engage in simple acts of kindness to our neighbors in need, like Ruth extended to Naomi and Boaz extended in turn to Ruth. In doing so, we proclaim as Christians the home-giving God that we serve. Well, in just a few minutes, Mike Veerman will be sharing some tangible ways that we at Knox are trying to pass on a glimpse of home to our neighbors, especially to those experiencing homelessness. Thank you for supporting these efforts by your giving, and I hope you'll consider taking part in them personally if you are able. May we, who have been given a sense of home in Christ, extend a glimpse of home to others and do so in his name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.